If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is not going to be an abysmal failure, and here's why. In this episode, we are going to answer why crit fumbles aren't a thing, and how we can make crit fails a great thing, and how does using crit fails actually improve a dramatic fight. Let's make failing fun. <laughs> Fa- we... <laughs> We put the fun in failure. There is there's no fun, there's no fun in failure. <laughs> Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. All right. So one of your first and favorite characters you ever made and played was Seven, the warlock rogue. Yes. Who is, I'll admit, he was kind of created as like the epitome of a lone wolf badass. <laughs> this and is in the early days. It, very early days. But I have played him for literally a decade or more. But he's grown and he's changed a lot as I've learned how to play better characters and be a better player in D&D. Yeah. So, so take us through a little bit about the character. Well, he's kind of that badass fantasy personified. He's got a little bit of Batman in him. He's got a little bit of Sherlock Holmes in him. He wants to see corrupt governments dismantled. That's yeah. kind of his his overall overarching goal. And yeah, he's just a trench coat wearing cool mamma jamma. And he wears a tricorn. And he wears a tricorn hat. <laughs> okay, so to get across our point in this episode, I wanted to take you through a brief encounter so let's say Seven has taken down the cruel and evil orc bodyguard of a corrupt leader. He's successfully made his way through the estate perimeters, and now this final foe stands between him and his target. The shadows are hiding Seven well, especially with his drow-tailored cloak. Ooh. He's upon her, and you go to make an attack roll. So far, this sounds like Seven through and through. This is, this is, very, this is a very good <laughs> setup. I'm into this. Okay, so I make an attack roll, and I get a one. So, Seven's foot slides on a patch of wet stone, and he falls flat on his back, letting out a loud oomph as the wind is knocked out of him. The orc turns around to see Seven sprawled out. (laughs) Nope. Defenseless on the ground and pulls out her massive two-handed hammer. She goes for an overhead swing, but the weapon flies from her grip as it's coming over her head, (laughs) clattering against the wall. All right. What does Seven do? I Okay, he stands up and he pulls out his, his backup short sword. Well, you still got your short sword. You didn't drop it. You just slipped and fell with this one. All right, fair enough. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, you're ready. Go for another attack. Oh, shit. Look at that. You rolled another one. Which, how often do players roll two ones in a row? <laughs> Pretty friggin' often. Yeah. For as as small as that chance should be, it feels like it happens constantly. Yeah, a lot of us have seen it happen. I roll a one and I try to lunge and stab with my sword, but I, I hit a one. So what happens? So your lunge and stab, the sword tip bounces off of her armor 
and it comes jabbing right back at your face. <laughs> it slips up your nostril and you take 1d4 damage and it cuts you. Well, this is friggin' great. I've now given myself a new fashionable nose piercing and I was supposed to be taking down uh, a corrupt noble. Supposed to be an experienced rogue taking down a corrupt noble. Yeah. How does this happen? Because I'm like level 12 or something like that right now. But you rolled them ones. So she reaches for her hammer that's fallen on the ground. But she hits her head on a wall sconce, recoiling. <laughs> she looks around woozily, asking you if you're her mother? <laughs> this is getting more and more ridiculous. <laughs> yes. That's an encounter described with critical fumbles. Gotcha. Yeah. And there's a very different way to approach this kind of fight. Ones can be just misses. And it creates a much more dramatic story. Well, and one is an autom automatic miss. Yeah, one is definitely a miss. That's the rules as written. Yes. So let's take that again, just considering it all as misses. So with the same rolls, Seven closes the distance in an instant, but she's just as quick. As Seven's sword reaches towards her, she whips around herself, slamming her armored forearms against the sword and deflecting it. Mm. She pulls the massive hammer from her back bringing it to bear in a fluid motion. And as it's coming into your ribs, you barely feel it connect as you roll with its momentum back on your feet with perfect ease as it rolls over your body. I'm into this more. And you go for that second attack. You think you can slip her so your sword into her exposed shoulder as she's kind of turned towards you, but she's back in control way quicker than you thought. You connect with the handle of her hammer as she tries to push you away with it. Cool. And with the space between you, she raises her weapon for a vicious overhead smash. You spring backwards, throwing yourself against the wall, and you nearly feel the hammer brush against your face on its way to the floor as it smashes into the stone and sends Holy a spray. Moly. Yeah, that was close. That felt like a close call. Do you feel like Seven's cooler in that second example? <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, exactly right. Like he feels more capable than obviously your previous description. In fact, both fighters do. Yeah. So let's get into the strategy stateroom and figure out why. This is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. Okay, so the problem with critical fumbles, as kind of previously described in that little scenario, yeah. is A, critical fumbles don't exist. In the there official... Is, there is no rule that says... When you roll a one, a bad thing happens. It's just a miss. Yeah. You miss. So it's a homebrew that's just found its way into a lot of the games that you and I have played. Yeah, and and somehow that has never really been separated. It's just part of what we assume a one is. And this is all to say that, at least from my perspective, fumbles should not exist in a game. And... They're kind of the antithesis of a really good fantasy story because they just they don't have any place in a heroic story. I think that kind of story, they don't fit into it, but I think that they can be in a game of Dungeons and Dragons. I think everyone just has to be on the same page with the theme. Like it changes the game in a major way. 
And unless everybody understands that that's playing the game, there's going to be some conflict there. I guess so. You're right. It depends on the kind of game that everyone has agreed to play. My point being that most people agree to play a fantasy game of D&D with <laughs> orcs and dragons and all of that kind of stuff. Where they're the badass heroes. Exactly. And yeah. so beyond level one, as you just described in that last scenario, if my character is a level 12, they shouldn't be fumbling at that point. <laughs> there are They're very experienced adventurers. So whoopsies shouldn't happen. <laughs> Maybe meeting a challenging problem and not succeeding happens, but big pratfall kind of whoopsies yeah. shouldn't. Yeah. But let's kind of explore your point a little bit more. Where would they actually work? Because any kind of serious games that have a, a more serious tone, they're telling a serious story and all of that stuff. Yeah. Obviously, I, I don't know. I can't think of a single example of, say, a movie where they had it had a serious tone and the hero had a big friggin' whoopsie. Yeah. That was almost embarrassing. Because a lot of people approach crit fumbles as like, oh, yeah, you swung your sword wildly and you hit your own friend. Or, or you, yeah, like it bounces back and hits you. Or you fall or you drop it or, yeah, you drop your sword down a, a chasm, you know, a well that wasn't previously described there. But now the, the sword bounces off the side of the well and there it goes. It's gone. <laughs> they're usually pretty dramatic mistakes. mistakes. Yeah. And they're... They're usually described as mistakes that come from just an ineptitude of the fighter or the combatant. Yeah. And that is where you've completely undermined my character as a DM. Like, it's... if you sprung that on me, I'd be angry at you. <laughs> like, this is not my character. You don't get to tell me that my character is so clumsy with his weapon <laughs> that he just drops it every time he rolls a one, yeah. which is a 5% chance. And if you do roll with that, approach then a fight with an orc and a fight with a chicken have the same outcome <laughs> like there's no interaction there it's just you <laughs> being a klutz yeah <laughs> so going back to the whole serious tone like i can't think of a single time that ryan gosling's character in drive did a big whoopsie <laughs> so and that was a much more serious tone yeah action films don't use critical fumbles yeah like a fast and the furious type movie the steering wheel doesn't pop out of their car <laughs> bad stuff happens yeah. sure but it's not a result of anybody being horribly horribly inept <laughs> if you get into comedies you think oh, okay comedies might use them but most comedies that come to my mind they're funny in ways other than the straight ineptitude of the main character, unless you're talking about like mall cop kind of movies. <laughs> Paul Blart. Paul Bart. Yeah, like action comedies. Even when you're on that spectrum of kind of stories, The Other Guys was all about two cops succeeding despite their ineptitude. Yeah, and they were kind of oafish, but they still didn't have those moments in... The action sequences. They weren't shooting themselves in the foot yeah. during any kind of the, the uh, yeah, the fights. Or if you look at another great comedy, you've got Deadpool. And Deadpool is hilarious, but not in his fighting. 
and you could interpret some of his stuff as a, some kind of failure, but it's never, again, that oafish, stupid kind of yeah mistakes. And I think even straight comedies, now we're out of the realm of action comedies, if you go into straight comedy, a movie like, for instance, Tommy Boy, <laughs> the example that comes to mind, if you're familiar with Tommy Boy, there's a scene in there where the hood of their car comes flying up and blocks them and they get into this crazy mishap. But that was because if we were to turn it into D&D terms, Tommy failed his uh, mechanics <laughs> role, I guess. He rolled a one, check. his yeah. intelligence check to fix the car and put more oil in the car. And so he left the cannon and that meant that the lid wouldn't close. So that was the result of his his fumble fumble on mechanics yeah crit one <laughs> so where do actual crit are there are there any genres that really fit the crit fail well i think that kind of madcap there's only a few examples that come to my mind and some of them are really old like the leslie nielsen leslie nielsen is a is a canadian treasure <laughs> so be careful with a couple of your next statements don't get here. me wrong his movies were great and hilarious, but I've never made a Dungeons and Dragons character that I've wanted to be like that. Yeah. And I think that goes for Kevin James in those newer kind of mall cop movies. It's like, that's a very specific genre of comedy where you are laughing at the character. They are not meant to be heroic. Yeah. You know, the, actually, speaking of Leslie Nielsen, like during that era, you had a, tons and tons of movies that were meant to be that ridiculous comedy, that over-the-top kind of, you had like hot shots from Naked Gun and all of those where they were failing despite themselves. And it was all hilarious and kind of gooberish. Yeah. That was the tone. And usually in those kinds of movies too, the failure ends up in a success. Yeah. Which doesn't happen within the natural rules of D&D &D either, if you, even if you are playing in that genre. I was trying to come up with any movie where critical failures actually worked really well. And the only one I could possibly think of was Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> if you haven't seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil, definitely watch it. But the entire film is predicated on the antagonists of the film crit failing and mortally wounding themselves here yeah. there and everywhere but like that was the crux of the entire story that was the whole point to tell yeah it. it was making fun of the kinds of movies that use that with this whole premise you're saying that unless everyone is on board yeah for telling a mr magoo level of goofiness yeah if the dm is trying to make everyone into mr magoo but players are trying to play badass batman aragorn type characters then there's going to be some conflict at the table. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, crit fumbles are just adding insult to injury. Like, you've already failed, and now you're going to put another penalty on my failure? Yeah. That's just psychologically <laughs> rough. So this is, you and I have pretty much unanimously agreed that, yeah, crit fumbles and crit fumble tables just really don't have any place in our games. Yes. We outlawed them a long time ago just because, <laughs> and I mean, the temptation was there. You see those tables and you're like, this might be a lot of fun. Yeah. This kind of random, crazy happenstance to add to the game where the dice determine how many limbs you're eventually going to lose <laughs> if you fumble enough. 
So you actually created a homebrew rule that really adds to this whole approach. Well, yeah, and it's also in an attempt to just simplify everything because it is tough to have another table at the table as well. You've only got so much space. Mm-hmm. So I think this this idea puts the power in the player's hands and it keeps the drama in the story. So here's this new rule that you can use in your games. When a one is rolled, so let's say you roll a one. Okay. You get to choose if that's going to be a crit fumble. If you're going to drop your weapon, for example. Okay. Or you can just have it as a regular failure. It's just you a miss. miss. Yeah. Okay. If you choose to take that fumble, your next roll, you can get advantage on. So I get to, as a player, I roll a one. And I, at that point, I get to say, okay, I want to take the fumble or I just want to miss. And if I take the fumble, then I get to add advantage to my next skill check or ability check or attack roll. Yeah. And I think that idea came from every story that I've seen told well in movies where the hero messes up bad. And then what happens after that is the redemption where they do something really cool to make up for it. That adds drama. Yeah. Like that adds that up and down and the back and the forth. And you're not really sure is the hero going to make it out of this alive. Bad things are happening, but they're not pratfalls. They're just bad things. And the hero's ability to recoup and come back from almost certain doom, like losing a weapon, for instance. Yeah. Or fumbling or falling, you know, and then being able to like charge back up and win the day is what makes all the drama of that fight so engaging and interesting. Much more of a moment than, you know, failing really hard and then failing again and then failing again. (laughs) So you actually chose a scene from Lord of the Rings to break down this whole idea. Yeah, I was trying to think of a cool fantasy fight from a movie that could be used to exemplify this. So Aragorn, just after Boromir has gone down on his knees and the huge Urukai has basically taken him out. Oh yeah, and he's about to he's about to plow one more arrow right into Boromir's face. Yeah. <laughs> that Urukai is, has already <laughs> killed him beyond dead, but he's still on his knees and the Urukai is just about to add some more insult to injury. Urukai knows how to do one thing. <laughs> Mess that little human up. So, yeah, Aragorn comes flying out of the bush takes him down. They get into a fight. Aragorn gets thrown up against a tree. He narrowly avoids being beheaded. He rolls around trying to get away from this huge bruiser. He stabs him in the leg. The Urukai grabs that dagger and whips it at him. He hits it away with his sword. Then they get into a little more sword play and Aragorn stabs him through the gut and then beheads him. Man, that was a cool scene. That was such a good fight. Yeah. With the Urukai throwing his shield and, yeah, sticking him to the tree. And then just that, oh, the gravity of when he stabs him. And then the Urukai just comes closer down on his sword. Grabs the sword, pulls <gasps> him in. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so how does this rule come into play with that fight scene? So if we look at a few of those, the potential attack rolls from that fight, You've got the Urukai grapples and throws Aragorn at the beginning. Okay. Throws him away. Aragorn could have rolled a one on that grapple check. So if he did, he decides to take the fumble and he drops his sword. 
Sure. Yeah. Because he, he bats that sword right out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Urukai, like you said, he throws his shield and that pins Aragorn's head between the tree and the shield. Because the shield has these like two fangs at the bottom. And when he throws the shield, it sticks into the tree and Aragorn's neck is like pinned to yeah. the tree beneath the shield. As the Urukai is running up with his sword to just lop off his head, that's a great moment for Aragorn to take advantage on his role to get out of that. Maybe an athletics role. Yeah, or a, just a yeah a deck save or something like yeah. that. As the Urukai is, is coming to slide his, his sword down the shield and hack off his head. And he struggles for a moment. Yeah. The drama is there. And it's just like (laughs) he's struggling and then he slips out. So then you've got Aragorn rolling another one on a grapple check. What is he doing when he rolls the one? They keep scuffling and the Urukai keeps getting a hold of him. And And he like punches him once in the face. Like the Urukai lands a couple of hits in there when he just like decks him in the face a bunch. Yeah. And and the result of this one is Aragorn falling prone. So... Maybe he took that fumble again. Took the fumble. Then what happens next, as he's on the ground trying to crawl away, is maybe he gets advantage when he pulls the dagger out of his leg. His little backup dagger. Yeah. Yeah. Leg holster, and he stabs it into the Urukai's leg. So got the advantage, got the hit. Redemption. Did some damage. Yeah. And that feels so much better. Yeah, if that would have missed, that would have made you think that the Urukai is now in control of the situation. Ooh. So then he crawls away a little bit farther and the Urukai grabs the dagger out of his leg, whips it at Aragorn. And I mean, none of these have to be ones, but if you imagine more of them as ones, it just kind of gets the point across. So if that Urukai rolled a one on that throw, then that could explain why Aragorn is able to bat it away with his sword. He deflected it. Yeah. yeah. And it's a very cool moment. But then let's say that Urukai chooses not to take the fumble. He wants to keep his weapon. He wants to stay on his feet. That's when Aragorn comes up and they start sword fighting again. And that's when Aragorn gets that opportunity to stab him through the gut and lop off his head. So he whittles all of his HP down between all of these attacks. He took the crit fumble yeah. so he could actually come back and use the, the advantage, get some really good hits in finally whittled his hit points down to nothing and then got to to get the kill. And I think you brought up something that we're going to have to tackle in our next episode. And that is all about how, you know, you, you said when the Urukai threw his dagger, that would have been a one. But that dagger was very clearly headed straight for Aragorn's face. Yeah. Like that was going to kill him. And I think that's a really important point is that nowhere in there was there an inept warrior. They were both incredible warriors coming together that sometimes didn't make that hit. Yeah. But it wasn't because of their own ineptitude. It was because of the skill of the person that they were fighting. Mm -hmm. At no point did they just completely miss horribly. Yeah. I like like the concept of, you know, back to that ending, if the Urukai did get a one on that last attack, Maybe he could have kept fighting had he chosen the fumble and gotten advantage on his next oh. roll, but he didn't. So Aragon was able to... And it was a bad tactical maneuver. And I think that's what I love about your homebrew rule is that now fumbles aren't a big, goofy whoopsie doodle. 
they're a tactical decision yeah that adds drama and storytelling to it in just a really really simple little package well i think we have everything we need for our next episode to talk about how we can add a little bit more drama with that and i think there's an opportunity for a a new feature or a new tool excellent with trying to figure out how to describe consistently the skill that's involved there. Yeah, it can be a little tricky to think of those descriptions on the fly. So maybe something that just helps a little bit nail those down in the moment. Love it. Let's do that. Before we wrap up this episode, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to Big Brother Ed, who left a review on Apple Podcasts, who said that players and DMs that love the game, dissecting it, and sharing their opinions and reasons for loving the game, all while giving fascinating advice on how to add to our games. Inspirational and addictive. Listen, 10 five stars. <laughs> 10 five stars. I think, that's, I think that's what we're going for there. I think he was trying to add five stars onto the five stars. Ah, 10 out of five. 10 out of five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or it's 10 sets of five stars. <laughs> That's a ton of stars. That's a ton of stars. There's so many stars. But thanks, Big Brother Ed. Yes, it means so much. All right. Let's let these people leave. You can come chat with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit at Book and Chance. And thanks to Tabletop Audio for all of the sound effects that you heard in this episode. Thanks for listening. And play Play great great games. games. We got one? We did (laughs) un... We did it, everyone. Yay. That was the goal of this podcast. We're done now. Bye-bye. See ya.